I'm Booker Young with Young Ranch in Bandera, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Gary Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join me for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, it's no secret that the drought is taking a toll on Texas cotton. In fact, most of our dry land crop is done for, but it's getting so bad that it's starting to take out the irrigated crop now. We'll check in with one West Texas farmer to see how some of his irrigated acres have bit the dust in this heat and drought. That's coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Carrie Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. As we've talked about before, a lot of cattle raisers have begun selling their own beef directly to consumers. But before you jump in, you need to understand there are some legal requirements involved. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. At a catfish farm near the Texas coast, urban food bloggers learn about catfish production and conservation methods. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the story from Matagorda County on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas is under extreme heat. Daytime highs have been near records with no relief in sight. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Dry land cotton in West Texas is done for this year with an almost 100% loss due to drought. Now the drought and excessive heat is putting an end to irrigated cotton acres. J.R. Cudd grows cotton on his farm southwest of Lubbock. He says he only has one circle left. One circle left. No, I actually planted about 13 circles of cotton, so it's crazy. Uh, I moved to West Texas in about 92, I believe, and uh, I have never seen it this dry in West Texas and since that 92, 93 ever since I've been here. It's been dry, but never this dry. It's crazy. Well, JR, do you think that one remaining circle will survive? It looks good now. And, uh, you know, in the past, we've made some great yields on that circle. I mean, it's made four bale cotton before, um, some great yields on it. But it's just taking so much water this time. And our wells are going downhill in a hurry. It seems like we can water for about five days and let them rest and for a couple of days and start them back up. So, it's definitely going to be a decreased yield on that one circle for sure. Cud also grows peanuts, and he says his peanut crop is holding on, but he needs to get some rain in the next couple of weeks for them to survive. Texas dairy farmers are doing their best to deal with the summer heat and drought. A recent report by Texas A&M says heat stress is causing a $900 million loss to the nation's dairy industry. 
Texas Association of Dairymen Executive Director Darren Turley says Texas dairy farmers are used to the heat more than those in other parts of the country and are using cooling practices like shade, sprinklers, water, and fans to keep their herds cool and producing. But the summer heat has had some impact. Texas has now fallen back to the fourth largest dairy-producing state in the nation after several months ahead of Idaho in the third spot. Texas sheep producers have enjoyed a long run of high prices, but we're seeing some weakness in the market this summer. Texas A&M Livestock Marketing Specialist David Anderson says it's a combination of more animals coming to market because of drought and a declining demand for lamb. And I say that because lamb is more expensive than our other meats. And so it's with higher costs throughout our economy hitting, you know, really consumers' wallets. I think lamb has taken a hit in that. I think that's leading to some buildup of supplies, not only on feed where they get bigger and heavier and they get harder to sell, which leads to, you know, really some abundant supplies in the marketplace. Anderson says prices have declined dramatically for heavyweight slaughter lambs over the past couple of months. A lot of Texas cattle producers have started selling their beef directly to consumers. But James Hunt tells us there are some legal concerns to address before you begin this type of business. As we've talked about before, more and more ranchers are getting into direct beef sales. But Texas A&M AgriLife Agricultural Law Specialist Tiffany Lashmet says before you jump in, get to know the law. I see a lot of friends or even family members who have, have said, you know, on Facebook, well, we're going to sell beef and here's, you know, just shoot us a message if you're interested. There's a lot of legal things you need to think about before you jump off and start doing that. So one of the big things from a legal perspective is what type of slaughter and processing facility can you use? Because that's going to dictate where the beef can actually be sold. So that's one thing to think about from a regulatory standpoint. Uh, Here in Texas, there's a permitting requirement. If you want to sell beef to the consumer, there's a permit you need to obtain through the DSHS here in Texas. So that's another consideration. Certainly some really important insurance considerations that need to be made. Your standard farm and ranch liability policy, very likely not going to cover direct beef sales and, and issues that can come with that. So I think that's another big consideration as well. Um, other liability issues, things like business entities, right? Is it, is it a good idea to set up an entity like an LLC, for example, for your beef business to try and shield some of the rest of your assets um, were there to be a problem? Other things that can come up, you know, there's things about making sure that we're truthful on our website, things like trademarks that you need to look into. There's no shortage of legal issues that potentially could arise for someone starting one of these businesses. If it sounds like you have a lot to learn, here's good news. Texas A&M AgriLife has just released online a handbook co-authored by Tiffany Lashman and others that covers the legal and economic considerations for direct beef sales. To get a copy, search for it online or contact AgriLife. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A group of urban food bloggers visited a catfish farm along the Texas coast. Tom Nicoletti says it was a great opportunity to educate consumers about where their food comes from. My guest today is Mark Kubeka. He is a catfish farmer in southeast Texas in Matagorda County, and he uh, recently hosted a large group of social media influencers from across the state and urban areas, and they are here to learn more about what you do. And Mark, what was your main message to them? The main message to us is just for them to understand where their fish comes from, how it gets from the farm to their plate, the conservation methods that are used, the growth, how economical yet ecologically friendly our uh, product is for them. And it's a healthy and, uh, and works from, from everywhere from the environment all the way to your personal health. 
Many of the people here are from urban areas of Texas, many seafood restaurants in those areas. So uh, certainly uh, the message of where their seafood comes from is important. It is. They need to understand is the quality checks that go into growing it to make sure a good wholesome product gets on their plate. A lot of people have the misconception from uh, the urban areas that, you know, we go out here with a, a rod and reel to catch them, but we're actually catching them 30, 40, 50,000 pounds at a time. So, uh, you know, it is a large operation that uh, to put this all on. Yes, that operation uh, we saw here today, and it certainly is uh, quite impressive. Well, thank you. This this farm alone is about 400 acres. We'll grow somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 7 to 8 million pounds annually to come off this farm. So it's a rather large producer for the state of Texas. We're looking somewhere 2,500 acres of catfish production. The partnership that I work for actually has the largest catfish, farmer shrimp, hybrid striped bass, and largest redfish producers in the state, then the largest in the country for the hybrid striped bass, redfish, and shrimp. What type of questions have you received from the bloggers here at this tour today and the, the people from uh, the urban areas of Texas? A lot about what conservation efforts do we do? How do we know we're producing a, uh, a quality product? How is it processed? And how does it get to our plate from your farm? That is catfish farmer Mark Kubeka in southeast Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas is dealing with extreme heat. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. The valley weather has been hot and dry with really no relief in sight. Daytime triple-digit highs with high heat indexes above 110 have been really commonplace. And again, we don't have any relief in sight. The weather pattern has been ideal for harvesting. Corn and milo have dried down and combines are really rolling. Yields of sorghum uh, averaging about 45 to 6,500 pounds per acre. And that part of the harvest should be complete now in the next few weeks. Cotton is nearing defoliation stage. The crop looks above average, but again, it's not harvested. It's always been said when you have a cotton crop, the picker should be in the barn by August 15th. As rains come through about that time, can really hamper the harvest. Much of this cotton is not going to be harvested by mid-August. Citrus is continuing to grow. Irrigation schedules are now at 21 days, and crews are having a hard time keeping up. Water levels in Amistad and Falcon Reservoir continue to decrease. Amistad now at 34.6% full, while Falcon has dropped to 14.2%. Now, 44 feet below conservation level at Amistad, over 60 feet below conservation level as currently at uh, Falcon. And when you start putting those two reservoirs together over 100 feet now below conservation. Water restrictions are coming for extreme South Texas, and we do not, if we don't get any heavy rains and really soon. The tropical season has been quiet so far. There's a lot of Saharan desert that's stopping most weather systems from getting started. But as we have seen in the past, things can certainly change in a hurry. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Snakes play an important role in our ecosystem, and many of them are beneficial. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the fastest growing agricultural enterprise in the world is aquaculture. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd takes a look at Texas A&M's involvement in this growing industry coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Attention farmers and ranchers ages 18 to 35. Texas Farm Bureau has an amazing opportunity to highlight individual achievements, discuss complex agricultural issues, 
share your Texas Ag story, and be rewarded. Full-time producers can apply for the Outstanding Young Farmer and Rancher Contest for a chance to win a $60,000 prize package. Part-time producers and those individuals involved in other ag industries can participate in the Excellence in Agriculture Contest for a chance to win a $15,000 prize package. Actively contributing and growing in agriculture and the Texas Farm Bureau has its benefits, like cash prizes and recognition for a job well done. For more details and an application, visit texasfarmbureau.org. Applications are due August 4th. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The fastest growing agricultural enterprise in the world is aquaculture. Dr. Bob Judd says Texas A&M is very involved in this growing industry. Texas AgriLife today indicates that the United States Department of Agriculture has awarded over $1 million in grants for Texas A&M to study the diets of striped bass. Many fish species, such as catfish and carp, are omnivorous and consume diets without fish meal. However, carnivorous species, like striped bass, are usually fed diets containing fish meal, which is very nutritious but expensive. Unfortunately, Dr. Delbert Gatlin from Texas A&M indicates that the supplies of fish meal and fish oil are limited, so they are looking for an alternative food source, especially for the carnivorous species. The researchers are considering plant proteins but found that glycine, an amino acid abundant in fish meal, is low in plant proteins and glycine plays an important role in hybrid striped bass growth. Glutamate is the second most abundant amino acid in fish meal and acts with glycine to promote metabolic processes. And glutamate and glycine are very inexpensive as supplements. It is believed that glutamate plays an important role in the development of intestinal immune system in hybrid striped bass even though it was previously believed it was a non-essential amino acid in fish. Similarly, glycine has long been regarded as unnecessary in the diets of animals, but it is believed glycine may be essential in converting feed into protein. The researchers are determining how glutamate and creatine are synthesized in different fish tissues and how these amino acids interact with glycine to improve growth and antioxidant responses, intestinal integrity, metabolic health, and immunity in striped bass. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Snakes play an important role in our ecosystem. Jessica Domel takes a look at that role in today's wildlife report. It is no secret that there are plenty of snakes in Texas, and while many people would prefer snakes not be in their vicinity, Dr. Maureen Frank, a wildlife specialist with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, tells USDA Radio's Gary Crawford that snakes do play an important role. Snakes eat a lot of mice and rats, and mice and rats can carry disease, and snakes keep those populations down. Are there any particular types of snakes that are especially helpful to us? Garter snakes, they're found throughout the entire country, and they're, they're kind of a fun one to talk about because they're a smaller snake. They're going to eat a lot of our garden pests, like different insects and slugs. Okay, garter snakes. Good. What else? Here in Texas, we have blind snakes, and they're in other parts of the country as well. They live underground almost all the time, but they love to eat termite larvae rather than me having to think about poisoning for termites. I know that those snakes are out there in our yard taking care of that for us. Of course, my plan is to avoid snakes at all costs, but you know, in many neighborhoods, it seems that we're having more encounters with snakes or more reports of them as more and more natural areas are lost to development. What about that? There 
are some species that are negatively impacted when we develop. And then there's other species that actually benefit from the fact that, you know, in suburbs, people will have things like ponds and water features and, and things that will draw in animals that maybe didn't used to be in that area. So what do we do if we see or run across a snake in our yard? If it's in a good spot, leave it where it is. That's a good idea. But if it's someplace you don't want it to be at that moment? You can also use a, a very long-handled tool to guide it out, but it's really best if you just leave it, give it its space. That was Dr. Maureen Frank and USDA's Gary Crawford. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was an up-and-down day in the cattle trade on Thursday. We ended up closing lower in the live cattle market, higher on the feeder market. We'll check out all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Take the path less traveled and learn about the diversity of agriculture in the Lone Star State. It's a little education and a whole lot of fun. Texas farmers and ranchers between the ages of 18 and 35 can join the Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmer and Rancher Fall Tour, September 9th through the 11th in Amarillo, Texas. Learn about the diversity of Texas agriculture in the Amarillo area. Develop a network with other young producers across the state. Fellowship with one another and make new friends. Registration is open now. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org to register. The Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Fall Tour. The registration deadline is August 4th. Reserve your spot today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded both sides of the market on Thursday, but when it all settled out on the close, we ended up closing lower on the live cattle market, higher on the feeder market. August live cattle down two cents on the day, finishing at 135.72. The October down 35 at 140.97. December live cattle down 50 cents at 146.32. We saw a drop in the corn market on Thursday. That helped to support feeder cattle prices. August feeders up 45 at 178.27. September feeders up 32 cents at 181.30, while October was up 47 at 184.22. Cash-fed cattle market seeing some sales so far this week. However, that big price range continues depending on where you're at in the country. Here in Texas, we get the lowest prices. 136 seems to sell most of our cattle on a live basis this week. When you move into Kansas, we've seen sales at 139, then on up into Nebraska and Iowa, where the prices have ranged from 140 to 143. Boxed beef was lower Thursday. Choice down 202 at 268.51. Select down a dollar 78 at 240.47. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Here's a glass of iced tea and a livestock market operator report with my old friend, Doug Bass, from Cattleman's Brenham. They sell them every Friday. Doug, how did that last sale go for y'all? We ended up with 1,626 head of cattle. Let's walk the pins. Your lower yielding thinner cows, 25 to 58, better cows, 60 to 80. Thinner bulls bring 50 to 87, better bulls bring 90 to $1.11. 
pair of cows had a few pairs, bring seven fifty to eleven fifty. Your bred cows bring anywhere from six fifty to a thousand. Two to three weight steers bring one thirty five to two fifteen. Heifers one thirty to one sixty five. Three to four weight steers bring one thirty to two twelve. Heifers one twenty seven to two thirty five. Four to five weight steers bring one twenty to one ninety. Heifers one twenty three to one sixty nine. Five to six weight steers bring one fifteen to one nine. Heifers bring one twenty to one sixty eight. Six to seven weight steers bring one ten to one seventy one. Heifers bring a buck twelve to dollar sixty one. Seven to eight weight steers bring a dollar to a dollar fifty five. Heifers bring a dollar to a dollar seventy seven. And eight hundred to a thousand pound steers and bull yarns bring ninety five to one thirty six. And your heifer rats bring ninety to one twenty. What are you anticipating for this week? I think we'll stay pretty busy, Mr. Lace. It's pretty darn dry and hot. Uh, a lot of calls coming, you know, we're picking up cattle, it seems like, every day. Uh, needing some rain. If anybody needs anything, y'all sure give me a holler. Tell them how to do that. Yes, sir. Uh, my cell is 979-877-4454. Call us there at the office, 979-836-3621. Neighbor, that was my friend Doug Bass from Cattleman's Brenham. Sell them every Friday. We do down on the farm every Monday through Friday. And guess what? We like it so much, we'll do it again tomorrow. Right here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. Where lean hogs finished mixed on Thursday. Nearby August hogs up a dollar forty-two at one sixteen thirty. The October was down twenty-five cents, ninety-five seventy-seven. Class three milk was lower. July milk down a penny, twenty-two fifty-four a hundred weight. August milk down thirty-nine cents at twenty thirty a hundred. The cotton market closed lower, feeling the pressure from a lower trade in grains and energies. However, a good-looking export sales report helped to limit the losses. USDA reporting net sales of 54,100 running bales of cotton. That is much higher than the previous week and the four-week average. We close with October cotton down 78 points, 99.60 cents. December cotton down 121 points at 91.60. The corn market was lower on a good-looking weather forecast for the Corn Belt. Central and Eastern Corn Belt both expecting broad rain coverage over the next week. Also lower temperatures there. So that put a pressure on the corn market. We finished lower with September down 16 and a half, 575 and three quarters. December corn down 16 and a half, 573 and a half. The wheat market just cannot recover from the strength in the U.S. dollar. We see a lot of traders getting out of their long positions, worried about whether Russia is going to allow grain out of the Ukraine, also rising interest rates and the possibility of recession, keeping a lid on these wheat prices. September Kansas City wheat down nine and a quarter, eight sixty one and a quarter. September Chicago wheat down thirteen and a quarter. 806 and a quarter. In the energy markets, August natural gas was down 10 cents at 790. September crude oil down 351 at 9637 a barrel. The financial market slightly higher Thursday afternoon. The Dow up 47 points at 31,923. The Nasdaq up 120 points, 12,017. The S&P up 24 at 3,984. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website, at texasfarmbureau.org.
or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Thank you.